14th chapter of Ilchot Ishut. This chapter will deal with <clears throat> an obligation from the Torah from a husband to the wife, which is intimacy, ona intimacy. And again, just to refresh, we learn this from Amma Ivriya, who it's it's a girl that is uh, is put into indentured servitude by her father, and if the her employer wants to marry her, the Torah says he has to treat her exactly like any other wife. And then the Torah says and that's how we learn the three basic rights that a wife gets under Torah law. The frequency of intimacy that the Torah talks about, it depends upon each person, each person's ability, physical strength, vigor, virility, and his uh, occupation. Men who are strong and healthy and, and don't need to work very hard. That they don't work on something that that uh, exhausts their strength. But rather they are sort of retired. They, they, they don't do anything but eating and drinking and, and being home. Then the frequency, the right that the wife has over their attention, their emotional and intimate attention, is every night. People who have uh, who work for the the services industry, like for example tailors or or constructors, builders, and something of that sort, if they work inside the city, then the frequency is twice a week. If they work in a different city, only once a week. Hamarim are people who uh, go on caravans. It's uh, the the old age, uh, not old age, but back in the day that this is what an Uber would be or, or a taxi driver. So they drive a donkey, so to speak. And uh, donkeys don't go too far. So this is within the city or not too far from the city. So they are back home uh, at least weekly. And that's the frequency of the Ona once a week. People who have a longer distance travel agency, which is a camel, then they do it once a month. The sailors that they go away for long periods of time, once every six months. Scholars who are learning all day, although you'd think that they are like the category of people that don't work, if they study Torah intently, this actually can exhaust them physically as well. And therefore, theirs is also once a week. And the, the right habit of Tamid HaChamim is to do so the actual night of Shabbat. Having, having learned these frequencies, now what are the consequences? So the wife has a right to prevent her husband from taking on a new occupation that wasn't there when they got married, that is going to make him be absent from home for longer times than the honor that he committed to her. And then if, if she does so, if she so uh, insists on her right, then he can only leave town 
with her permission. So too she can prevent them from changing profession from one that has a more frequent ona to one that has a least, less frequent ona. Like someone who drives donkeys that suddenly wants to become a camel driver. Or a camel uh, rider to a, to a, a sailor. However, because of our interest in promoting Torah study, they are allowed without their wife's consent to leave up to two or three years somewhere else for a session of study. And so to someone who was retired and decided to become a Tamil Chachamim, his wife may not or doesn't have the right to prevent them from doing so. Although a person, technically speaking, under Jewish law, can marry, may marry more than one wife, as we pointed out before, this is not the example we get from our forefathers in Tanakh, nor from any of the main Tanaim or rabbinic figures that we respect but this is permissible so the wife has no right to prevent her husband from marrying somebody else however this is so long as he can provide the three basic things to each and every one of them furthermore he cannot force them to live in the same house he must provide a house a haser for each and every one of them and then if he marries multiple wives, what is their ona? So it depends how many they are. So we defined before what is the minimum expected frequency based on professions, take that frequency and divide it by the number of wives. That's the new entitlement, the new right upon someone taking multiple wives. So if he used to be obligated once a week, now he'll have once every other week for each of them. If it was twice a week, then now each of them is going to have one a week, once a week. Because again, this was taking into account the possibilities, the abilities, and the strength of every man based on his profession. Therefore, Hachamim forbade the Rabbanan marrying more than four women, even if a person is very, very wealthy, because it's not only about She'er and Kasut, it's also about Ona, and if someone marries more than four wives, is going to not be available to them at least once a month, which is the bare minimum Chachamim wanted each and every wife to get. If someone uh, makes his wife take an oath to tell others, to promote something that she told him during their intimate moments, something, it might have been something 
having to do with their intimacy or something else, but during that intimate moment. This is a violation of the basic relationship between a husband and a wife, and he must he must divorce her and give her the ketubah, which again is something that nobody wanted to do back in the day. It was a lot of money. So this shows you really that the intimacy, the physical intimacy we're talking about, is not only physical intimacy, but it's also emotional intimacy. And the entire experience, including the conversation that is had between the husband and the wife during those those times, uh, a month that, that they share these moments together, is part of this ona and is privileged, so to speak. And the husband doesn't have the right to deprive his wife from that intimacy, from the ability to have secrets with him. Because it's not right to force her to, to, uh, to embarrass herself and say these private things to others. So too, if uh, he he made her take an oath of of uh, that she that they when they are together they'd do it in positions that were believed back in the day not to produce offspring, or doing things that are are ashtut um, are futile and and silly. So because he's violating this the the the, the integrity of this right of ona, he must take her out, he must, he must divorce her with Ketubah. If someone takes, makes his wife take an oath that they won't be together, so up to a week, it's fine, we, we, we don't do anything, but if it's more than a week, then he has a choice either to annul that nether or to divorce his wife. Even if this was a malach, that only also her frequency of once every six months. Because by doing that oath, he's making her suffer and depriving her of that anticipation. Again, one more element of the ona. It's not only about the physical pleasure, the, the physical closeness with one another, but it's also about the emotional interaction. And it's also about the expectation that comes uh, before the days leading to it, and all of that is the same package. And this package is called ona, and it's one of the rights that the husband owes to the wife. Now, Harambam is going to deal with a very technical issue. How could it be possible for, to someone for someone to take an oath on these matters? After all, you may not take an oath on something against the Torah. So if he says, um, I, I hereby take an oath that um, the togetherness with me is forbidden to you, that's a nether, or I hereby, hereby swear that I'm not going to be with you. So this doesn't count because this, this goes against an obligation he already has. You, you may not cancel an obligation by taking an oath. However, if he says, I hereby make a nether that I will not enjoy your closeness, then this is the kind of nether that we are talking about, and therefore now he becomes forbidden to be together with her. It's a euphemism because you may not have someone eat something that's forbidden to him. 
הלכה זין, אסור לאדם למנוע את אשתו עונתה, ויימנע כדי לסערה עובר בלא תעשה של התורה. Not only is this a right that the wife has, but also מן התורה, it's a mitzvah, and it's a violation of a mitzvah for a man to deprive his wife from her right to עונה. And if he does so on purpose to, to get back to her for something, then this is אסור מן התורה. שנאמר שאירה כסותה ועונתה לא יגרע, because the Rasas very specifically that with אמה עברייה, the husband may not, may not deprive her of these three things. It's forbidden to deprive the wife from any of these three things. ואם חלה אותה שש כוחו ואינו יכול לבעול, if a person is weak or sick and cannot be together with his wife, ימתין שישה חודשים עד שיבריא, then he has a grace period of six months to become healthier, שאין לך עונה גדולה מזו, because it's the maximum frequency recognized under הלכה, ואחר כך, and after this, או ייטול ממנה רשות, either he needs her express permission to remain together, although he's not providing her her basic right, או יוסי וייתן כתובה, or he must give her a get and a כתובה. הלכה ח' האישה שמנעה בעלה המתשמיש המיטה היא הנקראת מורדת. When the opposite happens, when the wife does not um, let her husband be with her for no reason, this is called מורדת. It's a wife that is, uh, uh, מורדת means um, disloyal, let's call it that way. ושואלים אותה מפני מה מרדה, and then the בדין or whoever, they ask her, why is it that you're acting this way? אם אמרה מאסתיהו ואיני יכולה לבעל לא מדעתי, she says I, I, I can no longer tolerate being together, I, I don't like him anymore. כופין אותו להוסיל לשעתו, לפי שאינה בשביה שתבעל לשנוי לה. Then the בדין obligate the husband to let her free, to give her a get, because she's not a prisoner to be imprisoned by him. And, and uh, it, it's not, it's not uh, appropriate to force her to be with someone she doesn't like. And then if, if she does exercise this right, she leaves without receiving the ketubah, and then she can take her the clothes that she's wearing and the ones that she uses very often. Um, and, and this is whether, uh, so she can take all of her belongings, whether things that were under the, 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 the harayut of the husband, whether things that w- weren't. But she doesn't take anything that belonged to the husband. And everything that he had given to her, even clothes that she was wearing at that moment, she has no right to take it with her. Obviously, you can imagine that this, uh, in, those, in the dynamics of those days, wives who wanted to get back at their husband could come with that, with that uh, claim to the Bedin. So Bedin did not want to encourage women to come with that, or, or let's say that the wife just received a very uh, expensive gift and she thought she could get away with it and take it with her. That's not the case. Whatever she got from him, she has to leave behind. Because we assume that all the gifts that, that she received, the husband gave to her, assuming that they'd remain together. 
הלכתת, ואם עבדה מתחת בעלה כדי לשערו, if however she was disloyal to her husband in order to, to make him suffer, just to get back to him. ואמרה, הרני מסערת אותו בכך, מבין שעשה לי כך וכך, and she, she told the bed I'm getting back at him because he did this and this to me, או מבין שקיללני, או מבין שעשה עימי מליבה, או because he, he cursed me, or because he, we fought together, pay attention what examples our mom does not bring, has ושלום that a Jewish husband would lift a finger against his wife, even in those times, so you see this is not one of the examples that is brought here. וכיוסה בדברים אלו, and of this sort, שולחים לה מבית דין ואומרים לה, the bed din sends to her and tell her, have you that? You should know, שאם את עומדת במרדך, that if you continue depriving your husband from intimacy, אפילו כתובתיך מאמנה, even if your כתובה is a very expensive one, הפסדת אותה. You stand to lose it. ואחר כך מכריזים עליה בבתי כנסיות ובבתי מדרשות בכל יום ארבע שבתות זו אחר זו, ואומרים פלונית מרדה על בעלה. And afterwards, if she still refuses, the bed din has a right to announce publicly uh, in a euphemism that this particular lady is not being loyal to her husband with respect to, and, and that's it, they don't, they don't say anything further, but everyone knows what the matter is about. הלכאיות ואחר ההכרזה שולחים לה פעם שנייה ואומרים לה, and after this happens four weeks in a row, they send once again to her, and they tell her, אם את עומדת במרדך, הפסד כתובתיך, this was a warning, now if you continue this, this behavior, uh, you are hereby losing your כתובה. אם עמדה במרדה ולא חזרה, נמלכים בה. If she continues in this stubbornness, then, then, uh, then they, again, they, they, they ask her again if there is any particular reason. If there was no reason, she loses the כתובה, ולא יהיה לה כתובה כלל. ואין נותנים להגד עד שנים עשר חודש. And then not only does she not get the כתובה, she gets to be עגונה for 12 months, she cannot remarry. ואין לה מזונות כל שנים עשר חודש, and for 12 months she also doesn't get uh, supported by her, husband, by, by, by her husband, although she doesn't get a get for 12 months, she doesn't get מזונות. ואם מתה קודם הגט, בעלה יורשה, and they are still married during this time, so in other words, the, the bed didn't say, okay, if you continue this behavior, you hereby lose your ketubah, then they declare she lost her ketubah, and then the husband can, can can, uh, he has the right to not give her a get for up to 12 months. If he wants to give a get before that, of course he's entitled to. But the Bedin will not force the husband to give her a get. And this is all to encourage them to do peace with one another. And hopefully they'll go back to being together within that period of 12 months. This is what they do if the wife is doing this on purpose to get back at the husband. ואפילו הייתה נידה או חולה שאינה הראויה לתשמיש, ואפילו היה בעלה המלאך שעונת לו אישה חודשים, ואפילו יש לו אישה אחרת. And this is all, if she declares that she doesn't want to be with her husband, then regardless of whether at that moment they could have been together at all or not, she, because she might be נידה, or she might be ill, or he might be away, but whatever is the case, just again just like on the other hand if the husband had said I'm not going to be together with you if the, if the wife says so this is enough of an, of an attack against of an infringement of the husband's right even if the husband has another wife 
י"ב, וכן ארוסה שהגיעה זמנה להינשא ומרדה כדי לשערו ולא נישאת, הרי זו מורדת בתשמיש. This is not only when people are married and, and already together, but the same applies with an ארוסה, that after the time that, 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 she, that she was given, as we said in, in uh, chapter 10, so the husband comes to her after, let's say, she, there was a year of ארוסין, and he tells her, Let's, uh, let's now get married, let's consummate this, this marriage, and she deprives him from being together. This is also a form of Merida, and the same rules apply. So to the Yevama with the Yabam, if in, in each of these cases, in, this is on purpose, in order to deprive, them, deprive the husband or the, the, the man purposely from Tashmish, the same procedure is done with them. המורדת הזאת, this מורדת, כשהיא יוצאת אחר שנים עשר חודש בלא כתובה, if this happens and after 12 months she leaves without a כתובה, תחזיר כל דבר שהוא של הבעל, she has to also return all the property that was of the husband, אבל נכסים שהכניסה לו ובליותיהן קיימים, אם תפסה הם מוסיעים מידה, but all the assets that she had brought into the wedding, if they, are still, if they still exist, then whatever she, she takes, she takes, But if the husband went first and took them, then the Bedin is, is not going to interfere, is going to let him keep them. So too, if any of the assets, the husband had received the harayut, which we are going to see later, means that the husband guarantees that he's not going to touch the principal, he's only going to take the perot. So if somehow... He engaged in what's called under American property law waste. If he did not respect the principle, if he didn't take care of the principle, he let it go to waste. So under normal circumstances, he would owe this to her, but in these circumstances, he doesn't. This is what the Talmud decided with respect to a moredet. ‫הלכיות <אח> And grab upon it and, and, that's, and that's what should be applied. Now this is not someone who is not fulfilling his obligation of Ona, but like the Moredet, now we are talking about Moredet. This is someone who purposely, out of spite, says, I'm not going to be together with her. So he so he, he says. I'm going, to, to, I'm going to, to give her food, I'm going to give her clothes, but I'm not going to be with her because I hate her. There is a penalty, liquidate damages, that the bed dean is going to start adding on the ketubah of this woman because he had committed to this. He has no right to, to do this. And therefore, for every week that passes by, and he said to her out of spite, I'm not going to be with her, then the, her ketubah is increased by 36, the weight in silver of 36 
um, grains of barley. This is this is a roughly one and a half, not roughly, but exactly one and a half percent of 200 zuzim every single year. One and a half, in other words, uh, three zuzim every single week. Three zuzim per week at the rate of three zuzim per week. This uh, increases and it gets ballooned. It, it increases the value of the of the ketuba. And so far as she is okay with that, then this is what happens, and her ketubah continues growing. But as a reminder, Rambam says, although she does get a monetary compensation for this, he's all of that time he's violating an express prohibition from the Torah, as it is said in the Torah, that one may not deprive her of this. Sheim Sana Yeshaleah, because when someone that no longer loves his wife, they should separate, they should not stay together, he should give her a get. And this is an allusion to a Pasuk in Malachi, Kisane Shallah. Avalle anot asur. But to to remain together and make each other suffer is forbidden. And why is it that a person would not get malkut for this love, although it's a love? Because it has no affirmative action, which is a basic element for being lokeh. If a husband and wife come to Bedin and he tells the Bedin she doesn't want to be with me and she says, no, actually we are together. So too, if she says he doesn't want to be with me and he says, no, we are actually together. So we have a he say she said situation here. So the, the first thing the Bedin does is they curse, they do a harem, they curse in the abstract the person that is in truth the culprit. And this used to be a, enough of a deterrent in most cases back in the day. If this didn't work, then the most the Bedin does is they lead them to a room to a secluded room together, and the Aidim see them coming inside, if they continue uh, uh, disputing that they were together, because in reality nobody can know what's inside there, then the Bedin needs to try to negotiate and mediate as much as they can, but at no time, says Rambam, uh, should anyone think that we should actually have a testimony on the actual act, because it's forbidden for a Yehudi to have marital relations in front of any beriyah, of any creature. Different subject right now, refua, one of the ten things that the wife gets. If the wife gets sick, the husband is, is responsible to cure her until she gets better, even if this is very expensive treatments. Rambam 
ואין ראוי לעשות כן מפני דרך ארץ. If the husband doesn't want to deal with a very protracted and long uh, cure process and, or, or he doesn't have the money or doesn't want to spend the money to do so, he's allowed to divorce her at that moment in the sense that the divorce applies, although it's very inappropriate to do so and it's not Derech Eretz is Arambam. If the wife, God forbid, gets, uh, gets captured, gets, becomes a captive of someone, the husband must do everything he can to redeem her. If he's a Kohen, and when, the, when, the, when a woman is captive, unfortunately, there is a presumption that she's also being raped at, at, during that uh, situation. That was especially true back in the day. So if it's a Kohen that's married to someone who is a Shavuya, uh, he, he can no longer be with her afterwards because she she's considered defiled, which is not uh, someone a Kohen can be with. He still needs to redeem her and then bring and then uh, and then uh, divorce her and let her go back to her father. Even if they were in a different city, he should not only redeem her, but he should also take care of bringing her back to their own city, and only then he can divorce her. If the husband was not a Kohen, in which case the Shavuya is permissible to him, he must have her come back to him. And afterwards, after they are back together, then, of course, as a regular marriage, nobody is bound to the other forever, and he may divorce her for any reason that comes up in the future. The Beddin or the community. Uh, cannot force the husband to redeem the wife for more than the going rate for that kind of a situation. This was very common back in the day. We, we are so fortunate that these things seem so far-fetched to us, but unfortunately this was a reality and, and there was a known price that someone would have to pay for redeeming a captive. So a husband doesn't need to go beyond the going rate for that kind of situation. Unlike the situation of sickness, if in this case the, the husband wants to divorce her while she is a captive, and he, and he says, just use the money from her ketubah to redeem her, he doesn't have the right to do so. He has an affirmative obligation to spend even many, 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 many times the amount that she would have received under the Ketubah um, until she, he redeems her so long as this is within the normal rate for that situation. Even if all the money he has, he has to spend for this. This is all this right of, Shavu, of Shavuya, of Lifdotah, that the wife gets under the Ketubah, is 
sort of a one-time obligation on the husband. And if this happened a second time and he already spent all of that money the first time to redeem her, he no longer has the obligation under the Ketubah. And if he wants this time to divorce her, he's entitled to, he's no longer bound to that initial obligation of Lifdotahan. Halachachaf. Misha nishbet ishto vehu bemdinat hayam, bedin yordim nchasav umokhrim beachraza ufodin otak adelech shabbal podeh. If the husband is out of town and the wife, God forbid, gets kidnapped, the Bedin sell his assets and go and redeem her, fulfilling the same obligation that he would have needed to fulfill had he been around. If the husband had made the wife take an oath, because of which, as we said in the in previous chapters, he would be obligated to divorce her. For example, he said, you may not have bananas ever again, or you may not have chocolate ever again. This is something that uh, infringes upon the right of Mezonot. He must divorce her. And therefore, the moment he said that, she uh, is a potential, a, a, divorcee to be and if at that moment she becomes shavuya the obligation of of lifdotaha doesn't apply in the sense that he can divorce her then before becoming obligated to lifdotaha <laughs> A woman who is uh, who is forbidden to, to be with her Baal because of any Isur Lavin, for example, a divorcee to a Kohen. And and then and then uh, they got married against the Halakha, and then she gets uh, kidnapped. He doesn't need to redeem her, but rather he divorces her then. Uh, because they shouldn't have been together to begin with. So why did we say that the, the Shavuya of a Kohen, he needs to redeem her, even though the Shavuya now becomes forbidden to him by Surlav, because she's considered defiled, Zona, technically speaking, because the moment that they got married, and the moment that she became Shavuya, before she became Shavuya, they were indeed permitted to be together. The obligation of, uh, of uh, Kebura, if the wife uh, passes away, the husband is Hayav to, to bury her and to do Hespet to her. And Kinim, Kinim means to bring uh, all kinds of, of things that they used to do back in the day to encourage people to be sad. Like the custom of the city is, Medina again, as we've said several times, Medina means city, not country. Even the poorest person in Am Israel, at least for the for the procession, he must at least have two flutes and one uh, crying lady. These were things that they used to bring as part of the kinah. And if he was wealthier than that, then everything goes according to his wealth. Sorry, and if the, the wife 
the one who passed away, was a more respectable, she was of a higher class than the husband, then the, the kind of procession and, and the funeral and burial that she gets is according to her honor and her status, not according to the husband's. Because the, the, the rule is that in terms of status, a wife can only go up by getting married. She doesn't lose whatever status she had before if it was higher. And this is true even after death. Last halacha of the chapter, Kafdalet, if he didn't want to bury her and somebody else went ahead and buried her and paid for those expenses, the Beddin then can confiscate some of the assets of the husband and pay this guy who took care of her because obviously we didn't want the wife to go on without being buried, this Jewish lady that was there, that, that died. Likewise, if he was out of town and the wife passes away, the Bedin don't need to, to announce anything. They can go ahead and sell some of his assets and uh, give her the proper funeral and burial that the husband would have been obligated to give to her. Amen ve'amen.